from BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Today we've got singer-songwriter Brian John Appleby in the studio. He's passing through Utah on his Western States tour, and this will be a double header with him. He has another concert later this evening. He has a brand new album called The Narrow Valley, and we'll hear some new songs from it. But to introduce you to Brian as an artist, we'll start with a comment from the blog Those Who Dig, which said, Brian John Appleby, the only way his name could be any more prototypically American folk singer, it would have to be something like Ramblin' Arlo Bunyan or Hank Mickey Wayne. I like that. Another way to get to know him as an artist is to work up to the new songs by hearing a few from the past. So here's an intriguing song from his 2011 album, Fire on the Vine, called Backseat.
And I turn my car in the other direction Just hoping that I hear a note From the back Backseat, performed live in studio just now by Brian John Appleby on Highway 89. That's from his 2011 album called Fire on the Vine. Thank you for coming, Brian. My pleasure. This Thanks is for having nice me. To, to finally meet you in person after yeah. listening to your music and knowing that you were you were on the road coming through here. Yeah. Congratulations on the new album. Thank you. And I just have to ask that story, uh, the story of that song. Was mm-hmm. there a particular spark to that? Um, that song, I think that song was modeled lyrically a lot on a lot of uh, the songs I like by Paul Simon. He has mm-hmm. a lot of sort of like, uh, I, we were just listening to one today on the way down. The one, uh, it starts the one and one half wandering Jews and it's mm-hmm. about, you know, it's like kind of a road trippy song and he's traveling around with a kid and, um, I don't know. He just, he, he writes those sorts of characters really well and I've paid a lot of attention to him so I think it was just my um, attempt to to craft a few characters that uh, felt like they came from something I knew and then and then yeah throw them into a fictional narrative it's not based on anything real that I've experienced but um, yeah and then and in the end of that song there's a portion that talks about uh, you know this is not this thing, this is not that thing, this is not that thing. And that's actually me uh, sort of declaring that, like, I, it's not my story, actually. I'm uh-huh. telling a story that I don't identify with, but I am moved by, you know, something like that. Yeah, well, there, there's <clears throat> so many different directions. It it could still go and might have gone, depending mm-hmm. on the choice. And so it, it right. just, I don't know, I think we all relate to it in some sort of melancholy or maybe nostalgic way about mm-hmm choices and surprises and 
Yeah. Anyway, beautifully done. Thank I have you. to ask about the direction of your new album, which is not so strictly Americana or folk. Right. How would you describe it? Um, we've been joking recently that it's jacuzzi pop, <laughs> which doesn't make sense, really, unless you know about all the things I was listening to leading up to making this record. Um, I think, uh, you know, folk will always be in there as something I enjoy, as one thing that I enjoy, but uh, as a larger sort of spectrum of my palette, there's there's some other things I kind of just try to represent in this record, such as like I was listening to a lot of like 60s exotica and even Disney soundtracks from that era. So there's a lot of cinematic stuff that even when I was writing more folk uh, driven music or focusing on that, there's these, you know, these other sort of areas that I enjoyed. So it's just me kind of making a different uh, recipe with things that have always been in my kitchen, I guess. It feels like there is a big picture vision Mm -hmm. to this album. And one of the things that made me feel that way was the way you structured it with with actually elements you might think of from a a live show. Mm -hmm. Like you have, uh, whatever you call them, interludes, or one of them is sort of like, welcome to the show, or thus begins the, and one of them at the end is so long, folks, just these, tell me about how you put these as signposts. Um, I mean, so the the interludes, I think musically, I was pulling from records like Brian Wilson's Smile, which has always been one of, you know, uh, I mean, in the last 10 years, been one of my favorites. And um, yeah, he he and others like him, I guess there's not a a lot of people like him, but... Anyway, this this idea of fluidity in in a musical piece that it's um, it can be really satisfying to have the small chunks that uh, are sort of autonomous and not necessarily related. I found uh, a different approach to be um, enticing this time, which is just just to make the whole thing kind of run together, and those work really well for that. And then and then um, to make it, I mean as I kind of mentioned, a lot of of cinematic music has been uh, striking my curiosity. And so, uh, and the lyrics just tended to be a lot more, even more visual this time. Um, So there's a lot of visual to this record. The lyrics, the the music I was listening to had visual elements or cinematic elements. So it just kind of made sense to almost pretend like it was a soundtrack to a movie that doesn't exist, you know. So, well, it doesn't exist till you create it in our minds. Sure, anyway. sure, yeah. But you have, uh, I mean, even the title, like, there's Big Sur Interlude. Mm-hmm. These are all, like, 40 seconds or just one minute long. And is there any speaking in them, or it's all just musical journey? There, Yeah, the, all those interludes are all instrumental. There is some, I mean, there's some vocal, like, choir parts, but there's not any lyrical vocal parts. Um, because the album is brand new we've we've heard the first two releases but mm-hmm. we haven't we could not help but notice in the track list these interesting timings and really bizarre titles that were made us uh, anyway yeah we got to wait and get the whole album yeah so but <laughs> i would say it, yeah as and it does the the narrative of the record is one it is conceptual in that way so um hopefully uh as you move through it um, if you get a chance to listen to the whole thing, you get a sense that you're in one location with a 
set of characters and you're kind of immersed in that in that sort of tiny world with with all of that it's supposed to be very uh, localized in that way i guess we read you described this as not so much northwest folk but maybe wandering a bit on a winding path towards something else something mm. a little more well it says big sur interlude so it's mm. a little more central coast california right how does that feel different to you um, I mean, it's a totally different tone musically. It's, yeah, it's much more kind of, um, yeah, the, the, we didn't, I don't think we recorded acoustic guitar once, um, for the whole thing. So I'm using electric and, and some other instruments playing keyboards and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it definitely has that, um, the era of, of, yeah, that golden California mid-century kind of thing. And I, so I grew up in um, Central Coast, California. I've only been in Seattle for about eight years. Um, so it's, uh, it was pretty easy to sort of pick that as a, uh, all the visual cues and the uh, landscape and musical cues and references, like all of that kind of is was simmering in there from just growing up there. So I just kind of picked that to focus on and then try to dive into it. We're going to hear some more music, but I do have one more question. You talk about this little world and sort of constructing it, and you literally constructed a little world yeah. for the album cover. Yeah. And so at first glance, it looks like, oh, there's a very clever painting. Right. But But then you realize... It's this little tiny house. Like, where do you buy little tiny model houses? Is this from a railroad kit? Or? It was actually, so the, I had the idea to do that. And then the artist who actually did all the work and had the, um, like, knowledge and skill to make it happen, a guy named, a friend of mine named Christopher, Christopher Harrell. He works in Seattle. And, um, yeah, I, 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 like, I love Jim Henson. I love all those sort of, um, movie uh sets that are are you you see the handmade aspect the flaws in there yeah. and there's something really kind of tactile and pleasing about that and the music was feeling very very playful in that way there's a there's a there's an element to this album of it just not taking itself quite as seriously as the last record um so i really wanted to uh almost push that feeling more that playful light kind of dreamy just uh uh yeah n not overly serious and and that seemed like a perfect way and so yeah christopher did a great job and it's in our it's in our bassist's base basement bassist's basement um and we don't know what to do with it now it's huge it's like the size of that grand piano over there ebay and ebay. Uh, yeah it w and the shipping costs <laughs> for that would be yeah so. Well, let's hear one more of these. We'll let you take your place over there and pick up your guitar. The song we're about to hear is called The Fall, and we're kind of considering this a bonus track because this is one that musically fits the record but isn't actually on the record. So we're going to supply this to you as a little bit of, of extra. Here is The Fall. And this is from Brian John Appleby.
From the BYU Radio Performance Studio, Brian John Appleby playing his song, The Fall. 
That's a track that uh, is in the same mood of, but is not on his brand new The Narrow Valley album. 15 different tracks on that CD. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. You're listening to Highway 89. Brian, you are a singer-songwriter, but do you know many singer-songwriters who, like you, started out as drummers? Um, I know, I don't know many personally. One of my favorite singer-songwriters is David Bazan, who's in the band Pedro the Lion. He's from Seattle. He's been around for a while. Um, I think he played in, he played drums in, in a punk band in high school with Damien Gerardo originally. So that's one that I know. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I know him. He doesn't know me. It's not the typical path, I, I, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's more of a personality thing. I really like playing drums, um, but I am, I am not energized typically by uh close collaboration uh it happens sometimes and i enjoy it sometimes but it's not my natural proclivity so you know high school i never did team sports i never liked group assignments i opted for skateboarding which is very you know on its own at times so anyway uh yeah drums are great but they're collaborative by nature and i moved up to seattle playing drums and once that band broke up it was just kind of like well, maybe, maybe I'll try this, and it, I enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah. One thing you seem very committed to is honing your craft of songwriting and performing. Tell me about that a little bit. Um, I mean, I hope this performance suggests that I've been spending time <laughs> doing that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just, that's more of a... Uh, something I'm bad at (laughs) that I am constantly needing to remind myself and by saying it out loud I think I almost hold myself accountable I I always respect the the people that take the you know that take the time to do the 10,000 hours and um, you see that translate into really amazing things so um, and and again, bring, coming back to David Bazan, when I when I first moved to Seattle, I went and saw him play, and I was uh, just starting to write songs, and I was very excited to be talking to his guitarist at the time after the show, and was probably saying all sorts of goofy young twenty-year-old, you know, ex- overly excited things to him, and he ended up kind of like slowing the conversation down and looking me in the eye a little bit uh, figuratively and and just sort of saying like the one thing you should be doing like all that stuff you mentioned is sounds exciting but one thing you should be doing is hone your craft hone your craft hone your craft and because I was such a fan and am uh, that like kind of became a sort of mantra that Mm. sometimes I am able to stick to and other times not well just in doing some reading because we knew you were coming through. Things that we noticed were you seem to spend a lot of time listening to a really wide variety of things. Hmm. Like you mentioned the Disney soundtracks even. And most folks who listen to what you're performing in this new album are not going to immediately connect you to The Jungle Book or or any of those. But, But you do lots of listening in a wide spectrum of music. Yeah, I mean... It feels, I, 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 I guess that's why I write this, 
songs I do and um, like to some they seem like disparate um, sources to me they all kind of have threads that fit together and I think I think this new record maybe not so much when I play the songs uh, solo but definitely with the band I think uh, I've been able to pull more of those threads into this new record um, and I think also that is a that is a thing you, you know everyone knows that artists there's no like truly original thought everything's been done um so we're all just copying people like if we're honest and i think the only way to do that uh and still f not feel like a total hack is to copy as many people <laughs> as you can as opposed to I really like this one artist, so I'm going to sound like this one artist yeah. and do it, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely just pulling from uh, you know, people as much as I can, but hopefully a song will incorporate 20 or 30 or 40 sources, you know, or that, that I mean, that's ambitious, but uh, yeah, that's, that is part of the reason I try to. Something that, uh, that's uh, really <clears throat> unique is uh, reading about you going out and gathering sounds for an album. Like, not just saying, how shall the guitar sound, but just actually the sound of a dropping light bulb, dragging chain. This sounds almost like you're putting together a haunted house. But <laughs> I assume there's some less sinister sounds. What does this have to do with your music, and how do you use these sounds you record? Um, I don't know why that has been so interesting to me. I think I've always been a pretty visually artistic person and but I chose music to work with which is not inherently visual or I guess like overtly visual um, so to have sounds that uh, feel tactile that you can almost see the sound just uh, feels like a, I, w without overthinking it, it just seems like what I what I want to do, you know. So, so I'm picturing you know. being in your band at rehearsal, and and Brian shows up with a new song and says, "Oh, hey, and by the way, uh, you'll need to shake this leather pouch of pistachios to get the yeah, sound." Yeah, <laughs> we did that. We did that a little bit more on the last record, and it was a, a it became a little bit exhausting for tours to try to incorporate and and a little dangerous i had my friend michael who's in a band called the weather it used to be camp fire okay and i we played a show together and i wanted him to come up and do some percussion but we didn't have percussion so i went out and found this you know giant glass bottle and i filled it with a bunch of pebbles and he's playing it and during the song and it shatters and cuts his hand and he has to run off the stage and so there's some i mean logistically i think that's that's a lot easier to incorporate that stuff in a studio environment for recording the records i have definitely i'm not a, a purist for acoustic sound we've definitely incorporated some shortcuts in the live set so we can well, for the sake of the band so. avoid the sound of mousetraps and bear traps right yeah <laughs> yeah so, exactly okay we need to to jump into some songs from the album will you okay. set up we're going to hear two right now and <clears throat> and they actually one is right before the each other the same order on the album this is shoes and hat 
and no one knows. Uh, mm -hmm. tell, tell us about these. So these, yeah, these ones, um, they happen near the beginning of the record. They uh, sort of set up the first uh, most intimate intimate view of one of uh, of kind of like the protagonist or one of the main characters that I've built into this world up until this point we're getting like pretty broad looks at at the narrow valley and the town that's in that and a lot of scene setting so this these songs kind of um uh, I separated them because the perspective separates I'm doing first person and then I go into into not that so um <clears throat> So yeah, that's that's those songs. And let's, I'm gonna let's tune the it. guitar real quick. Is a yeah, lot on head the over there, get hop up on the stool and tune away. These next couple of songs are from the brand new album that's called The Narrow Valley. If you want to see online uh, how this looks, uh, you ought to check out this album cover and know that it's all constructed. So it's not a painting. It's not computer generated. I also want to say I had a note from a fan here. And this was a, a fan who, uh, on an iTunes review, identified himself only as Winky, but uh, he's, he was talking about your music. He said, I had to stand in a small room with a horde of stinky hipsters to see Brian John Appleby and band perform, but it was worth that and the $8. So I just thought that was a pretty, pretty great comment. Brian John Appleby now from his album, The Narrow Valley. Two songs, Shoes and Hat, and No One Knows. He forgot my favorite hat at home And she forgot to tie my shoes Yeah, I know how just a couple of rags wrong dry And he grips the wheel wall Snapping at the dial She wrings her wrinkled hands And looks outside The silent sun is high And 
pass our code Every reckless evening Slipping silent out of the house Walk between the rows and alleys On your own And you might go No One Knows, that's by Brian John Appleby, performed live here in studio just now. Uh, he's traveling with a band, and in fact, the band 
drop Brian off and headed down to the other venue to get set up. So I guess you just arrive at its instant show with the, yeah, with the band there. I but love that. I want to read a quote uh, that says, uh, you're talking about songwriting. This was so interesting because it talks about the feeling of songwriting, which I don't always hear people talk about. You said, having that feeling that there's a song inside is the most unnerving thing and the most amazing thing because it's kind of confusing how you're going to get it out. You never really know. Maybe it's in three days. Maybe it's in three years. You realize you have more left to do. You have more things to talk about. And that just made me think of, of uh, you're probably walking around now with, with the beginning of a song or a song that's almost done or just all the different stages somewhere in your brain. Yeah, voice memo uh, application <laughs> helps a lot now. So I'm not, you know, I mean... Yes, that uh, I, that's funny. I don't remember saying that. I'm I'm like critiquing my own words. Like, oh, it was very that? good. No. It was very good. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like anyone's work. Also, it's like you think about the things you have to do, the things you have half done, the things you have, you know. So in that way, there are always songs that are yeah, like in that are grabbing my attention. Like, oh, I, I, it would be fun to get home and work on that especially when you're working the day job and mm. you have that that melody bouncing around and you want to you know go go home and and flush it out i, I like uh, that description you know. of that feeling yeah now, you're also noted for your lyrics a lot of people comment because they enjoy so much exploring what what you've written and even on the page you don't look at your songs we printed out a couple of them and it, we don't look at them and say, ah, oh, first chorus, first chorus, bridge, first chorus, key change, chorus. Mm -hmm. they, they look almost more like uh, you're not worried so much about the end of every line rhyming and all mm. of this. Is is that some, some something conscious or is it just the way you work? Um, I don't, I think it's just the way I work, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I obviously am trying to keep myself interested as well and... Uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess that just that's what happens by the end of it, and it takes me a really really long time to write lyrics. So um, hopefully, I, I mean I know all of those decisions are are careful, mm -hmm. and that I'm I'm choosing this thing over that thing. Um, but yeah, that's I guess that's just my flavor. I guess <laughs> <laughs> we read about the old man, mm -hmm. and people can see him even on the T-shirt that was kind of a muse for for your last album. But what about this album? Was there one thing? Was it that picture of that little community? Was or what was the muse? I I, I think you're right. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. what it, the the image uh, on the front of the cover is um, definitely the. Um, yeah, where I was kind of residing in my head and kind of every time I'd go to write lyrics, it's, you know, plopping myself down in that location, so to speak, and kind of looking around. And You must have been pretty familiar with that little town. Yeah, it looks a lot like the town I grew up in. Mm -hmm. This one, the, 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 the one I created is uh, a little bit more dreamy, and, um, yeah, it feels... It feels uh, constructed as it should, uh, you know, but yeah, yeah, I am familiar with that. Well, you talk about taking months sometimes to finish a song or finish the lyrics. And with the start of this new album, you'd written four songs over a year and a half. So at that rate, this album would be done in 2017. Mm -hmm. So 
at some point, does that start speeding up as you as you get close to the recording time, or as, as does the picture just become clearer as you're working on I it? I think that's part of it. Yeah, you start to. Um, I think there's there's probably like you were saying earlier. There's probably um, twenty or thirty songs that were floating around back in 2013, and none of them were done. And at some point, a couple of those start to come into greater clarity. They they pull my curiosity along a little bit more than the other demos and songs, scraps and ideas. And then once that is, um, once you get a little bit of movement, it's easy to start moving at a quicker rate in that direction. Yeah. So since you're on the road, since you're touring, we want to hear a song with a road song title. And Highway 1 AM sounds about as road song as you can get. So will you do this one for us here? I would love to. All right. We're going to hear Brian John Appleby. This is from his album called The Narrow Valley. And you can check out Brian John Appleby online, and you'll see that cool little village at the, the right there on the cover. Here he is with Highway 1 AM. should be sleeping not staring at his old man on the stoop I snap my fingers make him scatter back to bed crack another can and lace my boots To myself, get if you were me, then you would too. Thank you. 
pass out, I see you sleeping in your room. I Highway, 1 a.m. performed live by Brian John Appleby, singer-songwriter on tour. He's from Seattle. That song's on his new album called The Narrow Valley. There is a particular venue that you perform at that we thought was maybe our favorite that we read about. It looks like you do a lot of singing at the Ballard Senior Center. I have done a bit of singing at the Ballard <laughs> Senior Center, yes. So how did it come about that you start performing there? Is this just a place in your in your hometown? It is, yeah. I don't live in that neighborhood anymore, but when I did live there, um, which was a couple years ago, for a couple of years, uh, it was across the street from our house, and I, uh, not dissimilar to many introspective, introverted artists, can get very consumed by... Uh, focusing on myself and like, oh, what do I have to say? And oh, what's the song in my heart? And, you know, whatever. And at some point that gets really obnoxious. And so there, you know, you kind of like, what? What about people that exist? <laughs> and so... There's so many of yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, is I mean, I... I we drove by me and my girlfriend drove by it every day and oh, that seems like a you know start where you are whatever so mm -hmm. i just went there and uh, asked if they needed anything you know any volunteers and said i played music and they said music once a month would be great so i just would have my friends come and play songs and i'd play you know james taylor and yeah you know, bob dylan or something and then we'd have peach cobbler and then leave and mm. yeah it was great <laughs> that's uh, very motivational <laughs> <laughs> yeah so how much is uh, familiar tunes for the, that you play and how often do you sneak in an original at the know? senior center uh -huh. I, th I think they were 100 percent covers yeah i maybe i maybe did one song that was original but actually i don't remember yeah <laughs> maybe i Spent a, no, there, there are some very nice pictures showing you playing for the group there. In fact, somewhere the people are sitting on the couch right by you, like on either side. Just yeah. like, well, let's talk about up close and personal performances. Yeah, they're not, uh, they they had no idea who I was, which is always refreshing because it's just like, who's this kid? What's he doing here? What are you going to play guitar? What are you going to play guitar for us? Like, we don't need that. All right. Okay, you're all right. Have some peach cobbler, and you don't have. Uh, it's it's nice to sort of just feel anonymous and just uh, hang out. Yeah, they were great. That's cool because that's was not the expected demographic. Right. Although I will say, when I first got started and I was using MySpace 
only to uh, you know propel my music. There's there's this uh, feature on MySpace that you could look at the age and gender demographic of people that are streaming your music using MySpace. And there's the typical like you know a, a little bump in the teenage demographic, big spike in the or like you know bump in the 20 to 30 demographic, and it starts to taper. And then there's this anomaly, this like huge spike <laughs> in the like 55 to 65 year, year old male demographic, just a bunch of old guys listening to my songs. And so, I don't know. <laughs> All right. We'll set up this last, we're going to hear one last song before we have to go set up for your, your, your uh, other gig. But High Above the Blue, mm-hmm. tell us about this. Uh, this one... Uh, is m- me trying to rip off Roy Orbison a bit, like that kind of classic, mm. um, uh, like pre-rock and roll, like, you know, 50s. I mean, he was pretty rock and roll too, but the more like ballady stuff that he did. Um, and uh, I really like, th- I think uh, I think these are probably my favorite lyrics on the record. Just personally, I really like them and they feel there's... Um, the first record I, I did was much more kind of um, there. It was sort of a departure from an old my older world view kind of record, and uh, there's a little bit more angst and a little bit more like closed fist idness about it. And since then, um, it's there's been sort of an exhale in the midst of all that process. And this, I think this, um, kind of the lyrics of this kind of, uh, felt to me a lot like that. Like you're above the converse, not above it in a haughty way, but you've, you've, uh, opened up into new realms within that conversation. So I'm getting carried away. I'll play the song for you. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the song will speak for itself. But I like hearing the name Roy Orbison and the title High Above the Blue, just picturing the way that Roy sings. Oh, yeah. I love, <laughs> I love that. Roy. He's a man. High Above the Blue, Brian John Appleby. One day you wake up high above the blue In a lawn chair on the dunes And written in the rose green glow You can go easy Now you Look around while waiting at a light See a washed out storefront sign In a window long been broke Calling everything must go most of all the things you know Look around 
Sounds you've never heard before Branches clawing at the pain Panicked animals are wailing By the moon He walks alone The boy, the low black clouds can't hold And with the silver thready light Breaking in between the blinds He is drifting through a formless Above the Blue on Highway 89. That ends our visit with singer-songwriter Brian John Appleby. He's on tour promoting his latest album, The Narrow Valley. Information about all his tour dates, his music, and other project is online at brianjohnappleby.com. Brian, thank you so much for coming and thank singing you. today. Thank you. This is really fun, and thanks for inviting me. Our pleasure. And for those of you listening at home, everything is archived online and on demand at byuradio.org slash highway89. Also, follow us on Twitter. That's at BYUH89. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our student assistant is Abby Horlocker. And the show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening.